Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is September 11th, 2020. Tough day. It's the 19th anniversary of the worst terror attack ever carried out on United States soil since the founding of our nation. And today what I want to do is discuss with you what this really means. What it really means is that for the first time there will, there will be American voters casting ballots for the presidency who were born after the terror attacks of 9-11. So they have no recollection. Of course, um, people not much older than them will also be voting and have no meaningful recollections as well. So what they know or don't know about 9-11 is pretty much the same as any historic fact or occurrence because for them it is history for those of us who lived through 9-11 however it's a day we will never forget just as the greatest generation rallied after the attack at Pearl Harbor on December 7th 1941 Americans after 9-11 rallied we never saw more American flags more of a sense of togetherness and Americans being as one and somehow between the fake news and the politicians and the educational system, that solidarity that all Americans could have agreed on and did agree on, that a foreign entity, radical Islamists, came to America, violated multiple sections of our immigration laws, and set about carrying out a terror attack that was designed to bring down the towers and did bring down the towers and caused roughly 3,000 people, their lives on that day, more than we lost at Pearl Harbor, you would think 9-11 never happened. It's astonishing in a way that I did not think would ever be possible. And you know, when I've spoken to young people, and we discussed 9-11 and the fact that I was an immigration agent, the fact that I've testified before numerous congressional hearings, in large measure because as an immigration agent, I investigated and arrested terrorists. My very first fraud investigation in 1976 caused me to uncover a terror plot in Israel. I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist in New York City and, in fact, took a gun off the guy. I arrested others who were involved with terrorism in Latin America. Terrorism isn't only from the Middle East, but certainly... um, You know, that's where the major threat to this country emanates from. And you would think that the focus should be clear. There was a 9-11 commission, and they warned us. And what did they warn? They warned that principally not only 9-11, but other terror attacks involving foreign nationals, aliens, if you will, would not have been possible without multiple failures of the immigration system. This was not a news bulletin because America had suffered prior terror attacks, and each time the pattern was the same. We had Kansi, a Pakistani national, shoot up the CIA in January of 93. K 
killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, fled the country. One of the points to remember is that foreign nationals have an escape hatch, unlike Americans. They can get on an airplane and get out of Dodge, and many of the other countries around the world do not recognize extradition agreements with the United States, have no extradition agreements. In the case of Kansi, given the nature of his crime, uh, our law enforcement and intelligence professionals working with the Pakistanis grabbed him, brought him back, put him on trial, found him guilty. He was executed, but the dead remained dead. The wounded remained injured. And so we understand that this is the threat. There have been other attacks, the downing of Pan Am 103, the uh, hijacking of American airliners in the 70s. In some cases, airplanes were blown up. In one case, a Navy sailor on board one of the airplanes was shot and killed and thrown out the door of the airplane like yesterday's trash. Clearly, we're in the crosshairs. We've had more terror attacks since 9-11. And again, how did it happen? Aliens came to America. They committed visa fraud, political asylum fraud. They lied about their identities. We know what happened. The purpose to the 9-11 Commission was not unlike the purpose for the commission that was convened after Space Shuttle Challenger uh, blew up on launch, 73 seconds after launch. Not unlike the way Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrated in the skies over Texas because a piece of foam from the fuel tank punctured the leading wing of the shuttle, and so hot gases from reentry penetrated the wing and destroyed the spacecraft, and with it, the seven valiant astronauts who were on board. So what was done? Well, NASA convened a commission to figure out why we lost two space shuttles so we wouldn't make the same mistakes again to try to protect the lives of the astronauts and an important national asset, in that case, the space shuttle. When airliners crash, the NTSB, the FAA, and others come out and they do an investigation. Well, why do they do an investigation? Well, of course, there's a legal issue. Who's going to be sued? Who's responsible? Did the pilots act appropriately? But it goes well beyond that. Is there a structural problem? Was there a maintenance issue? Was there a problem of pilot error? Was there a problem in the control tower? What went wrong? Why? This isn't just an academic inquiry. It's about making certain that the same sort of thing doesn't happen again and kill more people. Common sense. We learn from what goes wrong. You would think. You learn from what goes wrong. I believe it was Einstein and others have said that insanity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different outcome. So we know that the 93 terror attacks involved aliens committing immigration fraud. We're very well aware of it because on May 20th, 1997, I was asked to participate in my very first congressional hearing, and the topic of the hearing was immigration fraud and visa fraud, specifically because of those two terror attacks. We knew that that's how they got into the country, and that's how they embedded themselves. And the Clinton administration did virtually nothing to address the vulnerabilities that everyone knew existed. You know, when the tower was attacked in 93, I was home with a miserable cold. The TV went off because the transmitter on top of the trade center was damaged. A couple days later, I went back to work, and I bumped into a couple of my colleagues from different agencies, state police, city police, FBI, DEA, ATF, and we all kind of wandered into an Irish pub and New York had so many wonderful restaurants. Sadly, so many of them uh, may not even be there anymore, especially with the idiot mayor here in New York trying to keep restaurants closed for as long as possible. Uh, You almost have to come to the insane conclusion that he wants to destroy New York on his way out the door. 
I, I don't know how else to conclude. This is the same mayor, by the way, who tried to prevent the lighting of the twin beams to commemorate the loss of the twin towers and to prevent the reading of the names. I was on a radio show. This is an aside. I was on a radio show earlier today. My friend Annie Eubelis has a program, Southern Sense. She's a former New York City police officer. We know each other from the days when we both enforced the laws here in New York City. And one of the people she had on was a spokesperson for uh, the Tunnel to Towers uh, charity. And I'm sure you're familiar with them. Frank Siller is the president. His brother, Stephen Siller, was a firefighter who ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel with 60 or 70 pounds of gear on his back and ran into the towers to try to save people and never emerged. So his brother created this foundation, and they they collect money, and then they give houses to the families of the first responders, soldiers, law enforcement officers, firefighters who were killed in the line of duty. They also help with smart houses for soldiers who are grievously injured in combat, that sort of thing, or first responders who are terribly injured. Um, My way of explaining is they do God's work. So they stepped up and said, no, we're going to make sure that we get this done. The people who lost their loved ones every right to hear the names of their family members read aloud on 9-11. And nobody on the program, because there were a few of us on the program, could figure out why in the world the mayor would try to stop this thing, this excuse of COVID. This becomes the excuse for everything. My dog ate my homework, and we faced COVID. Really? So what I told them on the radio program, I said, you know, maybe the solution is that the Tunnels to Tower Foundation should not have said that they want to commemorate the lives of the people lost. We want to remember the lives of the people who were lost to pay respect because people, when you lose someone, you mourn forever. It doesn't go away. Maybe with time, the sharpness of the pain decreases, but the pain is never gone. The hole in your heart doesn't fill up. Just the way it is. And I said, you know, maybe... What you should have said isn't that you're going to be reading the names or that you want to light the lights. And I don't know what lighting the lights has to do with COVID either. I said, maybe you should have told de Blasio, D-U-H, de Blasio. You should have told him you were going to have a riot. Then he would have probably given you some support. Maybe he would have scratched out some money for you to help you make the riot more violent. You know, his own daughter was arrested for throwing, I believe, bricks or or something at, at police cars. And she wasn't the child. She's in her 20s. So you have to wonder, you know, apples and trees. You have a, 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 the mayor's daughter who thinks it's cool to throw, you know, bricks or whatever at police cars. Obviously, hatred for police. We know that when de Blasio walked out of buildings, the cops that were there would turn their back on him. Do you wonder why? So I really think that the solution, they just should have said, look, it's 9-11. We're going to have a riot. And he would have said, great. Damage lots of property. I mean, remember, de Blasio brilliantly said we've got to get rid of all the steel and glass buildings. They're not energy efficient. Maybe he thought the rioters could bring down the, the, the glass and, and steel buildings. God only knows what's in his empty head. I do know that he does flunk the wiggle test. If, if you're not familiar with the wiggle test, you stick your left finger in your left ear, your right finger in your right ear. You wiggle your fingertips. If your fingertips touch, you flunk. That's de Blasio. 
It was a how dare you moment. But why am I shocked? I'm not. Look, you you also had uh, a member of Congress say that 9-11 was when some people did something, and the media tried to explain how her statement was taken out of context. It wasn't taken out of context. The Democrat Party has come off the rails, and I am a registered Democrat. It doesn't give me any pleasure to say this, but the Democrat Party has become the party of seditionists, anarchists, fascists. This doesn't help America or Americans. So we've got this big mess. And, in fact, it's interesting because even the New York Times published a report where businesses in New York are begging the mayor to do something with the violence. People are leaving. They're not coming back. Our employees refuse to work in New York City. It's dangerous. You've got people going up on rooftops and throwing cinder blocks down on passing people and cars. Think about that. Black lives matter? Really? Everyone's life matters. And throwing bricks and cinder blocks on people and passing cars is going to kill people, which seems to be the goal. Carnage, chaos, anarchy. And Joe Biden, by the way, and the Democrats didn't say a word about it initially, including Obama, said, oh, these are peaceful demonstrators. This is the First Amendment. Look at what Trump is doing. And then over time, you know, they keep lying. The lies finally uncovered. So now it's clear they can't cover it up. I mean, it was remarkable if you saw the hearing where the Republicans said, you know, you keep saying these are nonviolent, and they showed video clips of, of liars who call themselves journalists, and, and that by itself is a lie when you see how they go about their supposed job, are standing there with flames and rioters and looters in the background. These are mostly peaceful demonstrations, except some buildings are burning behind me. Yeah, okay, mostly peaceful. So we can't get you to believe that these are peaceful demonstrations. So they revised the lie and said, well, Trump caused it. So the riots that weren't riots are suddenly riots, but it's Trump's fault. You know, I, and I think I've mentioned that on my program here. I've been mentioning it all week. I've been doing podcasts with Dennis Michael Lynch, DMLnews.com, and all these radio shows today. I've arrested people, bad guys, who were involved with kidnappings and drugs and murder. And sometimes you capture them on video. In one case, we actually captured a, a, a Dominican drug dealer shoving a guy into the back of a car at gunpoint, handcuffing him, and pulling off a kidnapping. The car got further down the block. For whatever reason, the police on patrol stopped the car. I'm not sure that they even knew what had happened, but something just didn't seem right. We were there filming on the block because we were going to put an informant in to meet with a drug dealer to try to document the drug purchase and then get that guy to roll over on the people above him and so forth because we were trying to take down a major narcotics trafficking operation. Uh, although I was with the INS for 30 years, the last half of my career, 15 years, I was working on major narcotics investigations. I spent four years uh, at the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and after a four-year assignment there, I was the first INS agent to be so assigned. I was promoted to the position of senior special agent then assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So we were doing these drug investigations, and we were rolling up a whole criminal enterprise. It involved a couple of crooked lawyers. It involved members of the mob. It involved aliens involved with narcotics trafficking. There were murders in Florida, murders in California, huge, um, huge criminal enterprise. And we were arresting these individuals one at a time so that nobody tipped anybody else off. 
So while I was out making some arrests, the one of the first teams brought in the guy that was involved with the kidnapping. And we had him on video, but we didn't tell him that. So he has a lawyer. The lawyer comes in, starts screaming at the agents. They told me the story. And I'm sorry I missed it. It was quite a show. And the lawyer was threatening the agents. You're framing my client. He would never do this. The guy's got a rap sheet from here to Chicago. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. He never did this. You're setting him up. These are all lies. And we're going to go to internal affairs. And we're going to get you because you agents are liars. And the guy kept saying, I didn't do it. I got an alibi. I can tell you where I was. Yeah, okay. Well, guess what? They showed him the videotape. He looked at the videotape, got up from his chair, walked to the garbage can, and puked quite a bit from what I was told because he knew it was over. They got him. But unlike the politicians who get in front of the TV cameras and go on and on and on and say things, and then three days later they say, I never said it, and they know they were videotaped, they were giving on-air national news conferences. They continued to say, I never said that. I said this. I never said that. I didn't say that, that, that COVID was, was, wasn't a problem. I said that the president acted fa- didn't act fast enough. You know, Biden's been doing this. Meanwhile, we have videotapes of him and Pelosi, who, by the way, had one hell of a bad hair day last week. You have Pelosi and, and you have de Blasio and Cuomo telling people, go to Chinatown. This is in March. Weeks earlier, the president said we're going to shut down the arrival of people from China because of the COVID virus. And they accused the president of being a xenophobe and a hater and a bigot. There's videotape. There's news interviews. There they are. And now they're insisting that they were the ones who first warned about the dangers of COVID. The videotapes don't matter. I guess they're playing us for idiots or these people have serious mental illness. Because I can tell you that this criminal with a long rap sheet, when he was shown the videotape where it was obvious that he had just put a guy in a car at gunpoint, turned around and said, you got me. And he offered to become a cooperator. You got me. He had enough common sense to realize there he is on videotape. There's the gun in his hand. There's the guy being shoved into the back seat of a car. You got me. What's he going to say at this point? See? So this is what we're now dealing with with people that want to be the next president and the people that pass for leaders in the Senate, the House, the mayor's mansion, governor's mansion. It's unbelievable. They lie through their teeth, and then they stand there staring into the camera. I never said that. Look at the videotape. Are you going to believe your eyes, or are you going to believe my lies? That's basically their line. So my rage, and I guess it's showing because I, I thought my head was going to explode, was that the fact that the mayor of the city of New York, the city hammered the worst on 9-11, would do everything in his power to block a memorial service for people who died on a street corner in Manhattan. Does it get worse than that? This is the same mayor who I have to believe is an anti-Semite who threatened to lock up Orthodox Jews who were out in public because of a funeral but never threatened to lock anybody up for rioting even if they weren't wearing their masks when they were rioting. Hypocrisy beyond anything you could possibly fathom. So now we go back to 9-11. And we go back to the fact that the 9-11 Commission staff report, now this report was written by the attorneys and the federal agents who were assigned to work with the commission. In fact, it was their counsel uh, and her assistant who took my deposition to the commission. They contacted me and said, Mike, 
We know your background. We need to have you come in. We would like to take a deposition because we want to make sure that we document the vulnerability so we can protect America and Americans so this never happens again. I said, absolutely. It's my obligation and my honor to be able to participate in your effort to protect our country. That's why I became a federal agent. So let me read the first paragraph from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool of the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, and the reasons that we discuss in the following pages, that it must be made one. Joe Biden and his sidekick, I call it Chameleon Harris, Kamala Harris, have said that they want to decriminalize immigration law violations. It doesn't matter how you come here. As long as you get here, we'll give you free health care, free education, free health care. That would turn America into the ER for the world. Any alien from anywhere in the world who has a dangerous disease or a medical condition would come to America and say, here I am, take care of me. So you'll go to an emergency room and find a line of 3,000 people waiting to be seen. You'll have people dying in line. A couple of years ago, well, about maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I forget exactly when, some woman sitting in the ER in a hospital in New York that was overrun by people who were here from other countries couldn't pay for the medical treatment and so forth. Hospitals have gone bankrupt in New York and elsewhere because of this. Some woman kept trying to get someone to stop and take care of her. She was having heart and chest pains or, or whatever. And she couldn't get anybody to help her. She called 911 from the ER. But before they could respond to her call for 911, she actually died in the ER. And so now we have Biden and Harris saying, oh, no, no, everyone is welcome. Borders, we don't need borders. We're just going to go full steam ahead. And if you're here illegally, we'll figure out a way to keep you here. In fact, the Democrats have proposed bringing back aliens we deported, even if they were rapists and gun runners and drug dealers, because it wasn't fair to deport them. So on government expense, we're going to bring back the criminal aliens. Is that great news or what? We've lost our mind. We've lost our mind. You have the 9-11 Commission saying border security is national security, and Biden and Harris have made it clear we're going to do away with our borders. And as I mentioned last week when I talked about Kennedy, please read my prior article about how the Democrats have become the, uh, the um, adversaries of freedom. Kennedy warned about borderless countries and the establishment of confined areas within sovereign countries promoting anarchy and, and, and to destroy the emerging democracies. I am sure that in his wildest dreams, Kennedy couldn't have imagined those warnings that he used to talk about other countries would apply to the United States of America, but it does. The tactics he warned about in his address to Congress back on May 25, 1961, take out the word emerging democracies or new countries or whatever term he used and replace it with the word United States of America. Because that's what we're seeing. Insurgents operating in New York City. Carnage, illiteracy, suffering. That's how you get an overthrow of government. And that seems to be the objective of the Democrat Party. 
you know, a couple of months ago, I would have said anyone saying something like this would have to buy into conspiracy theories and, and, and belong to the Tin Hat Brigade because they're communicating with the Starship Enterprise. But look in totality what we've been witnessing. How else can you explain it? And it gets worse. It gets worse. Because if, if you look at the other things that were said, um, it's remarkable. If you look at the way that um, terrorists operate, I don't know of a single terror attack since 9-11 that has involved airplanes. Terror attacks now involve motor vehicles. In fact, the bombing of the Trade Center in 93 involved what? A rental truck filled with explosives. The attack a month earlier at the CIA involved a Pakistani who bought into a courier van service, and the courier van that he drove had a sticker that allowed him to park in the parking lot of the CIA, which facilitated the murder of CIA officers in Virginia. Look at what happened on the west side of Manhattan a couple of years ago where an individual we admitted, I believe it was under the Visa Lottery Program, we did a lousy job of screening him, and that's a big issue, immigration fraud, there we go again, mowed down a whole bunch of people, including eight bicyclists, I believe they were from Argentina, who we killed. Within blocks of the New World Trade Center, within blocks of what used to be called Ground Zero. Go around the country, and what do you see? Big flower pots and big, you know, concrete structures and steel structures right in front of the entranceways of buildings. Why? What are those doing there? They're there to protect against car bombs and truck bombs. We all know the danger posed by motor vehicles. And yet, in places like New York and California and some other states, illegal aliens who are undocumented, that means they can't prove who the hell they are, are getting driver's licenses which means they could easily get behind the wheel of a truck and carry out an attack. This is beyond belief. It's beyond the beyond. You look at this and you say, how is this possible? Why would you do this? What's the ultimate objective? What's the goal here? And it's remarkable because when kids are being killed with this defund police business, everyone says, no, 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 the cops are evil. The cops are evil. How many kids are being killed versus how many people were shot by police? Now, anybody who's shot by the police, anybody who dies is a tragedy. Let's be real clear. And if a cop screws up, they need to be made accountable. I'm in total agreement with accountability. And, yes, you do have round pegs and square, square holes. You have teachers who shouldn't be teachers and doctors who shouldn't be doctors, and the consequences can be severe. And I've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again that a couple of years ago or last year, um, John Hopkins I mean, certainly a highly recognized institution. Johns Hopkins did a study and said, depending on how you, you know, equate the numbers, a minimum of 250,000 people died the previous year of medical malpractice. And they said there's another way of looking at it where the number could be as high as 440,000. Shocking. Number of people killed by police, 100-something whites, 100-something blacks. And I don't want to make light of the numbers. Every single life lost is a tragedy. And every single shooting must be thoroughly investigated so we have all the objective facts, period. But 250,000 people die in one year because of medical malpractice? Have you heard anybody suggest that we defund hospitals because hospitals are places where lots of people die? Then why would you talk about defunding the police? 
And now Al Sharpton came out and said, oh, only latte liberals would want to defund the police. Really? This has been an attack on the police. You had Black Lives Matter marching through New York just two years ago. What were they chanting? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. And what do we want, dead cops? What do we want it now? So now we're going to rewrite history. Let's forget about the videotapes again. Children have been getting killed. Innocent people have been getting killed. Bullets flying, shootouts. One guy tried to rape a woman in broad daylight on a crowded Manhattan street. Think about the, the insanity. And Biden was nowhere to be found. During the Democrat convention, they didn't even talk about the violence in the cities. And all of a sudden, it hit the media. And they said, wait a minute. There's something worse than the loss of a human life. You know what's worse than the loss of a human life to these politicians? The loss of votes. Oh, my God, this could cost us votes. Now we better speak out. Let's blame it on Trump. It's his fault. They're actually blaming the California fires on Trump. I kid you not. It's the environment. Never mind the electrical wires that were shorting out and sparking or that there were some pyrotechnics used or some kind of a celebration. doesn't matter. Just blame it on Trump and hope that the American people are idiots. Hope the American people are idiots. So New York State now gives driver's licenses to illegal aliens. They've been doing this for a while. I've written about it for Front Page Magazine. And they don't even share motor vehicle information with the Border Patrol or Immigration and Customs Enforcement. But they do share the information with the Canadians because they know that this is a danger to Canadian security. The hell with the United States. Let's, let's destroy America, perhaps. Maybe that's the goal. I mean, what other conclusion could you possibly come to? They'll share the information with the Canadians, but not with the Americans. <laughs> and this is an American city. In fact, New York was a city that got hammered the worst on 9-11. Let me read this to you. Again, 9-11 Commission staff report. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. That's what I testified about at my very first hearing. I've been before something like 17 hearings all together in the House and Senate. But this is my first hearing, and it was four and a half years before 9-11, because they knew what happened in 93, you see. Once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program but was rejected. Ayad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. Maybe it wasn't obvious to you of these individuals at the time of the attack on the World Trade Center, one of them was able to rent a truck with a driver's license, and the other drove it, had a driver's license. And they were here illegally. And that was when all the states said, well, we are not going to allow illegal aliens to get driver's licenses because it's obvious that you could have terrorists driving vehicles to kill people. And then the New York State Senate, within the last two years, said, no, the hell with that. We'll give everybody a driver's license. And you're a bigot that is xenophobe if you're not willing to do it. 
These aren't driver's licenses. These are licenses to kill, ladies and gentlemen. And let's be clear. Being pro-enforcement is not being anti-immigrant because the same laws that tell us who to kick out and who to keep out, and it's based on aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, criminals, terrorists, fugitives, human traffickers, drug smugglers, gang members, sex offenders, aliens who had become a public charge, and aliens who, if they work, would displace Americans, also a serious consideration. It has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. I can tell you as an immigration agent, I've arrested aliens from all over the world, of every religion, every ethnicity, every flavor. It's like Baskin-Robbins. It didn't matter because human nature is human nature. Every race, every religion, every culture, every heritage has the good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't discriminate. It's about threats to the well-being of America and Americans. So that's what the laws tell us to do on that side. But on the other side of the very same body of law that we call the Immigration and Nationality Act, there are provisions to admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year. That's more than the rest of the world combined. Under that same law, we give citizenship to aliens. We allow them to naturalize. We allow them to get political asylum. Under those same laws, we permit tens of millions of temporary visitors to enter the United States as tourists, as students, as workers, as clergy, as journalists, as diplomats. So enforcing the immigration law isn't about attacking anybody who isn't an American. We have motor vehicle laws. And under motor vehicle laws, you go to jail if you're driving drunk. Does that mean that the motor vehicle laws are anti-driver? Under motor vehicle laws, if you have a car accident and you flee the scene of the accident, you're committing a felony. It's called leaving the scene of an accident. Is that because motor vehicle laws are anti-driver? Motor vehicle laws say you can't drive faster than the speed limit. You have to stop at stop signs. You have to stop at red lights. Okay. Is it against drivers, or is it about keeping the roads and the streets safe? But you wouldn't know it if you listened to the garbage, the lies that are being spewed. Sanctuary cities pose an immediate threat. In fact, I included a quote in my article. I hope that after you listen to my podcast, after you listen to my program, however you get to listen to it, live or, live or Memorex, as the old commercial used to go, that you will look at this article, and I, want to, I have a favor for all of you. I always talk about being part of my bucket brigade of truth. I need you to take the link to my article, and I want you to post it on social media. I want you to send an email off to your friends and say, please check the article out, especially if they disagree with you. Let's have an honest, open conversation the way we used to in America. I have many friends who are very conservative. I'm not. I'm a registered Democrat, and we're great friends, and we disagree on issues. Some of these issues are very emotional, but we disagree, and we're friends, because in America, you are entitled to disagree, unlike totalitarian countries, which Kennedy also warned about, that in these tight-fisted societies where you can't disagree with the official line, you create the conditions that are right for revolution or subversion, and you wind up with a bloody mess. We're headed in that direction. I was going to teach debate on the college level had I not had the opportunity to become an immigration agent. Debate is intellectual capitalism. You bring your ideas to the debate, and then you try to convince the audience with the facts that you're able to gather and the arguments you're able to put together that your way is better than the other person's way. That's what a debate is. 
intellectual capitalism. The consumer gets to decide for himself or herself. It's very simple. So you have sanctuary cities, and what do they do? They obstruct the enforcement of our immigration laws from within the interior of the United States. Is that a big deal? Well, let me tell you what the 9-11 Commission had to say. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. My gosh, it takes your breath away. Crystal clear. The 9-11 Commission report, or 9-11 terrorist travel, rather, made it clear that interior enforcement, just like border security is national security, the enforcement of our immigration laws from within the interior of the United States also involves national security and the saving of innocent lives. And yet, we don't have meaningful interior enforcement. Why? Because, as I've said in previous programs, the immigration system is not the failure you've been led to believe. That's a lie. The immigration system, folks, is not broken. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, this guy's crazy. What is he saying? We have millions of illegal aliens in the United States. So let me ask you, is that a good thing or a bad thing? See, is the glass half full or half empty? Because to unscrupulous employers who want to hire illegal aliens, that's wonderful. To immigration lawyers who want clients and therefore billable hours, this is a windfall. Because the immigration system is a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And I assure you, there's no compassion and exploitation. And it's not just the illegals. It's the H-1B visa program, a program that people like Bob Goodlatte was a big fan of. Bob Goodlatte was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. We had a meeting several years ago, and he told me uh, all about the wonders of, of bringing in foreign workers and how his son would love to have thousands of brilliant Indian programmers come to America. Bob Goodlatte, before he went to Congress, had a very lucrative H-1B visa law practice. And when he told me about his son, I knew nothing about his son. But when I looked up Bob Goodlatte, guess what I found out? Bobby Goodlatte, go look it up. Don't take my word for it. Never take anyone's word. Everything I tell you, I expect you to fact-check me to oblivion. I could get it wrong, okay? I do everything I can to be accurate and factually correct, and I substantiate anything I tell you. My parents were very strict on this. If I ran my mouth at the dinner table and I couldn't back it up, I caught hell. My dad would look over his glasses. I used to call it the father look. And with that slow, methodical voice, he would say, Mike, empty barrels make a lot of noise. And he would say it with that tone of voice, and I knew I was in trouble because I wasn't allowed to run my mouth unless I could back up what I was saying. My mother used to say, that my son will not be a BS artist. And if you can't substantiate what you're saying, that's exactly what you've turned into. I'm me because of my incredible parents. I hope that I'm one-tenth a parent to my kids as they were to me. My kids are grown. They're doing well. I'm very proud of them. But really, my role model was my parents. They were very clear about this. But I, I want you to fact check what I'm telling you. Because, you see, it makes no sense to flood America with more foreign workers than the number of new jobs we're creating. It makes no sense to give driver's licenses to people we can't verify who they are. 
And then the argument is, well, they need the licenses to work. But by working, they're taking the jobs of Americans. That's the whole point. Immigration used to be the responsibility of the Labor Department to protect jobs and wages of Americans. But no one considers the Americans. We're expendable. As long as the people who come from other countries are happy, and they're not happy. If they're being exploited, they're desperate, so they do it. But understand what's really happened. If you look up Bobby Goodlatte, Bobby Goodlatte was a computer guy who got to start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. And we all know where Zuckerberg stands on bringing in foreign workers as opposed to hiring Americans. It's about as anti-American as you can get. And if you want to talk about racism and bigotry, think about people talking about white privilege. If we know what your color is, we know all we need to know about you, so we're defined by our race. That's what racism is, for good or bad. When you make value decisions about another human being based purely on race, you're a racist. It's very simple. This isn't complicated. You're a racist. And it's remarkable that in terms of raw numbers, more white men are shot by police than black men. Now, very clearly, let's be fair about this. There are many more white men than blacks. So per capita, blacks are far more likely to be shot than white people are, even though the numbers are close. Uh, it's something like 150, if I remember the numbers that the Attorney General Barr had used at a news conference recently, something like 150 versus 110. Or Again, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but they're low, relatively low. But again, every single life is a tragedy. Let's be very clear about this. I'm not trying to minimize this. But it's certainly nothing like the 250,000 who die because of medical malpractice each year, according to Johns Hopkins. The numbers are astronomical. They're scary. seems like the most dangerous place you could be is a hospital. I try to stay away from hospitals for good reason. But the point of the matter is, when was the last time you heard a story about a white man who was shot by the police? When was the last time you saw the body camera or the dash cam of police where a white person was shot. I can't think of the last time. But if a black is shot by police, immediately the headline goes out instantaneously. Boom, black man shot by police. Okay. And the intimation is something terribly wrong happens. No facts are made available initially. And I've seen some videos of shootings that sickened me, and I said, boy, the cop that did that needs to be in a jail cell. There was one case where a guy was running away from a police officer, apparently unarmed, got shot in the back. I mean, look, there are things that happen that bother me, and it needs to be addressed. Again, not everyone who gets a gun and a badge should have a gun and a badge. Not every doctor who wields a scalpel should have that scalpel or a medical degree. Not everyone who stands in front of a classroom should be teaching. Not everyone who flies an airliner should be in the cockpit of that airplane because people die when these people who are incompetent make bad mistakes. Not that there's a good mistake, but you understand my point. But the emphasis is to paint a picture of systemic racism because the focus is on the black who gets shot. But is that the only factor behind the story? So here's a couple of questions that I don't generally see being asked when these situations develop. Number one, the person who was shot, black or white, were they acting under the influence of drugs or alcohol so that they weren't thinking clearly and acted in a way 
which caused the police officer to believe that he or she was in imminent danger, because that's justification for shooting. Let's look societally at why we've got a problem of poverty in the minority communities, broken families, no education, the school situation. Uh, There's uh, so many factors. Are we trying to, to do better for Americans? How are we doing better for Americans when you take away jobs that Americans need to bring in foreign workers? And by the way, the foreign workers then send money out of the country, so we lose and then we lose again. Last year, over $30 billion was wired back to Mexico by their workers in the United States, and that's the visible money. How much money gets smuggled out of the United States? How many other countries are doing this where they count on those wires, the money wires, what they call remittances, as a major element of that nation's economy? For so many countries, the export of their people is the most valuable export, not petroleum, not coal, not diamonds, people. Because the people will work here and send money home. This is insanity. So it damages our economy. It damages jobs. It damages everything. And Joe Biden says, well, we're going to have 11 million aliens legalized if I'm elected. That's a lie. That's a lie. Unfortunately, and I don't know why, but the Trump administration is using that number also. That number, 11 million, has been out there for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. In fact, some universities like MIT have said, no, there's probably – Somewhere as close to 25 million. I think the number is way higher than that. But let's work with the 25 million number. That's a pretty big number. But then you can make the argument, as Bob Goodlatte did when I had this discussion with him, oh, they're already here. So we've already calculated them into our economy. And you hear that from the journalists. Well, they're here. What the hey? Here's what no one's talking about, folks. And I want you to pay special attention to what I am about to tell you. We heard about Reagan with his one million illegals and his crazy amnesty, which did tremendous damage. And then we wind up with three and a half to four million. That really wasn't the number either. Guess what they've left out of the conversation? And this was willful. Under our laws, and this really makes sense. When you legalize an alien, they have a bulletproof, absolute, positive right. No challenge, no question, no nothing. They have an absolute right to bring every single one of their minor children to America immediately. So if you give a green card or lawful status to an alien, and he has 12 children under the age of 21 back home, 12 kids could be headed here within a couple of months. They fill out the paperwork, they get visas, and they're on an airplane. Let's be optimistic and say, well, some of these people don't have kids. Some of them don't want the kids to come here. Some of them have already brought their children here. Some of them don't, you know, whatever the situation is. So I'm going to be a wild-eyed optimist and say, okay, we're going to deal with 25 million aliens, which means, by the way, no interviews, no field investigations, which is a major threat to national security. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Just let that sink in. 19. So if you're processing 25 million, and let's say 20 of them turn out to be bad guys because you're so good at it, you could have another 9-11. Now, do you really think it's going to be as small as that? No, not at all. There's no way of knowing when they came here. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they're affiliated with. There's no way to know when they're here. When they got here, because if they run the border, there's no record created of their entry. So if, let's say, we say, well, you have to have been here for five years, everyone's going to say they were here for six years, and how are you going to prove otherwise? 
There's no capacity to knock on doors or do field investigations. If you're dealing with a couple thousand applications, sure. And that's right, I listen to these journalists. Oh, well, they've been living here for 10 years. How do you know? And most are using multiple false identities. I can't tell you how many illegal aliens I arrested, and when I searched them, I found that they had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Social Security cards, different numbers, different names. Oh, I found it in the street. That was the usual story. When was the last time you found a Social Security card? So we don't know who they are, when they got. We know nothing. We're flying blind in a storm. And if we're going to err, I want to err on the side of keeping America and Americans safe. Not because I'm nasty, but because I love my fellow Americans and I love my country. And this isn't xenophobia. You wouldn't open the door to a stranger if they were wearing a paper bag over their head. But let's go back to the children. Besides the national security and public safety threat. If each alien who gets a green card on average has four children. And let's say, optimistically, we're only dealing with 25 million aliens. Do the math. Take out your abacus and do the math. Times 25 million. 100 million children. They immediately are enrolled in schools because the Supreme Court has ruled that any child in America, no matter their immigration status, has an absolute right, in fact, must attend school till age 16, I believe is the cutoff. So now suddenly we're going to have tens of millions of students going to our already failing schools. We're spending more and more money on English as a second language instead of putting money into new science labs and better instructors and working with American kids who have learning disabilities. It's a topic very close to my heart because my youngest son, who has autism, is an engineer who graduated with honors because of early intervention. That money is going away. And increasingly, it's being used on English as a second language, destroying the future of American children. Where's your compassion now? Where's your emotions now? Families take care of their children before they take care of strangers. You don't give money to charity when your own kids are going to bed hungry at night. And in short order, these children will grow up and become part of the labor pool, 100 million strong, 100 million strong. And every person in America has an environmental footprint, an ecological footprint. Now, what do I mean by that? Living in America requires more than a place to sleep. This isn't about rolling out a sleeping bag and saying, well, there you go. You're good. person here needs water. Every person here needs food. Every person needs electricity. Every person needs sewerage. Every person needs transportation. Every person at some point will probably need medical care and education and gasoline for the car and cars and clothing and housing. This causes rampant runaway inflation. Think about it. The reason we have record homelessness in part is because we have flooded America with cheap, exploitable labor. That pushes wages down. You go into these apartments, and they create what we call railroad apartments, where each little bedroom is divided up with, 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 with walls and locks on individual doors. There was a fire in New York a number of years ago where a bunch of firefighters were killed because they ran into a building that was filled with smoke, and the apartment was amazed. It wasn't where you walk down a corridor, and there's the bathroom, and there's two bedrooms, and there's the kitchen, and, and you head out the door. They went into the bedrooms, and the bedrooms were blocked off. And, and so here you got cops 
with, with bad visibility trying to work their way out of a maze of artificially created little cubicles where everybody was sleeping. And they couldn't get out and they died. This is what we're now dealing with here in New York. De Blasio actually recommended letting people uh, rent out basements and garages so that with the oncoming flood of, of new immigrants, they'll have a place to stay. Of course, everyone's fleeing from New York, so maybe that's not an issue right now. But I can tell you that the open borders crowd are determined to get rid of suburbia. They said all that open land and those single-family houses, what an inefficient use of space. They want to rezone suburbia so they can put up skyscraper apartment houses to jam everybody into little cubicles, kind of like what they do in China. This would transform America, where America would be almost indistinguishable from a country like China, where everybody is, is under the control of the government and authoritarian machinery. That's where we're headed. Because if you allow 100 million kids to come to America, they're going to be looking for jobs. Housing prices are going to go through the roof. We won't have enough water. We won't have enough food. We won't have enough electricity. It's the prescription for the destruction of the United States. And waiting in the wings for world supremacy, if America falters, are wonderful regimes, China, Russia, Iran, hoping against hope that America will falter. And you have to wonder at whether or not foreign money is funding the crazies. There was just a piece done on Fox and Friends, I believe it was Tucker Carlson, talking about how some of these people that have been arrested, Black Lives Matter, they call themselves the new Black Panther Party, and they're all white. And they're going to the best schools, and they come from families that are very wealthy. Maybe they were abused by their parents, God only knows. But they're very angry, and they want to tear up America. And it's not that they have a plan to make America better. This isn't an idea of competing values and completing plans. Well, we have a better plan. I'm willing to listen to a better plan because of corporate welfare, we've destroyed the middle class in America, which is part of what's leading to all this discontent. Understand that, folks. This isn't capitalism. It's social welfare. You know, people tell me, well, under capitalism, there's no, no guarantee of outcome. I, I accept that. But then explain the golden parachute to me. Because under a golden parachute, you hire an executive, and if he screws up and the company goes bankrupt, that guy or that gal goes out the door with more money that the people under him will earn in a lifetime. And meanwhile, the people that lose their jobs because of these clowns are escorted out of the building by an armed guard who makes sure they don't take the stapler with the company logo on it. But they don't have a plan. Their plan is destroy America, tear up America, kill people, and, and destroy buildings. And they're on a rampage. They are anarchists. They're angry, and they're taking it out on the world. They're sociopaths, and because of the defunding the police, the police have backed down, so they have free run. They can do anything they want, confident that the likelihood of being prosecuted is minimum. We're creating a dystopian nightmare less than two decades after the terror attacks of 9-11, when everyone was united as Americans. We've lost our minds. Please go to Front Page Magazine and check out my articles. Uh, consider subscribing to Dennis Michael Lynch, uh, Team DML. I do podcasts for Dennis. It's about providing you with the information that you're not going to get in the mainstream media. This is all about propaganda. It's all about lies. It's a very dangerous set of circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
And we have to have the courage to stand up and say, no, this isn't about bigotry. If you go to the airport, you're expected to have an airplane ticket. Why? Because you can't put an unlimited number of people in an airplane. And they want to make sure that you're not on a no-fly list, which brings up an interesting analogy. I don't know of anybody who would be willing to get on an airplane if they saw some of their fellow passengers sneak past the TSA. Would you be willing to get on board such an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA? Why, then, are you being forced to live among millions of people who came to this country by evading a similar inspections or vetting process conducted at ports of entry? And then you're intimidated uh, if you disagree. How dare you challenge us? That's what the First Amendment is about, folks, the right to ask the questions. My parents told me that the only stupid question was the question you didn't ask. Joe Biden is promising more jobs, more jobs and better pay. How do you do that if your game plan includes the importation of perhaps 100 million children who will quickly join the labor pool? Biden has a real problem with the truth. And that statement alone proves it. There are many issues that we face, but immigration is just so fundamental and such an integral part of all of the challenges and threats that we face. And the sad thing is that there are people who have actually come to believe that it's somehow anti-immigrant to enforce immigration laws. Those laws are about protecting innocent lives. I can't tell you how many times I've met people who came to America fleeing the violence of their home country fleeing the corruption of their home country. And because of our failure to enforce immigration laws, they're often finding that the same criminals they ran from when they came to America are now here and continue to threaten them. Is that really what America is supposed to be about? America stands at crossroads. We have serious challenges. The survival of America and therefore the future of our children and their children are on the line. It can't get more serious than that. All I ask is that you read my articles. Please encourage other people to read my articles. Forward them to as many people as possible. And just in a very low-key way, say to them, hey, listen, you're free to disagree with me. That's the beauty of America. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. But let's have that discussion based on fact. My articles, this program, in fact, you could send them a link to my podcasts. It's the right price. It's free. This is all about providing the information that the mainstream media refuses to provide. Ever since those ashes landed on my home, ever since I saw my neighbors out screaming because they knew they would never see their families again, their mothers, fathers, children, spouses, I've been a man on a mission trying to wake people up about the true significance of borders and the effective but fair enforcement of America's immigration laws. Please get involved, folks. You know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Check out my article at Front Page Mag. I'll see you again next week right here at the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.